Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. In this monthly Market Insights, Phil Attreed, Head of Wealth Specialist, talks to Will Hobbs, Chief Investment Officer, about the first half of the year and what to expect from the next six months. Hello and welcome to this July episode of Monthly Market Insights. I'm Phil Attreed, Barclays Head of Wealth Specialists, and I'm joined once again by Will Hobbs, our Chief Investment Officer, as we try to unpack what's been happening in the world of investments and what this means for investors that we manage money for. So looking back, uh, the first half of this year has been historic for all the wrong reasons. Uh, This was the worst start to the year for US bonds on record since about 1900, I believe. Well, um, it was the fourth worst start for US stocks uh, and also actually the worst um, start since the 1970s. And the upshot of all of that uh, was a terrible six months for the traditional 60-40 balanced portfolio of assets if you're looking at equities and bonds. Uh, It was actually the second worst start to the year on record by that measure. Now, of course, we've regularly covered why This has been such a challenging period for investors. So we've got war, unrelenting pandemic, the cost of living crisis, and now uh, an incoming recession. Uh, We've also touched on why some of our funds and portfolios have actually been somewhat resilient uh, to date. But nonetheless, Will, uh, let's start with a quick summary from you, if you may, uh, just maybe of the, the forces pushing and pulling markets over this last six months. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been biblical, hasn't it? Kind of war, famine, disease, you know, it's been a really very difficult, a very difficult half around. But I think for capital markets, I mean, the major thing really is this sort of sense that central bankers may be getting boxed into a corner in their fight against inflation, that in order to bring inflation to heel, to get it back into target, that the central bankers with the blunt tools they have on offer and the very limited visibility uh, that they may be, uh, you know, forced to do harm to the to, to the US economy. And what you're seeing at the moment, to the global economy, I guess, uh, what you've seen across the half. And if you remember, you know, we've talked about this a number of times, but if you viewed from 2022, viewed from this time last year, or just a little bit before, really, this was seen to be a year of kind of monetary nurture, you know, central bankers trying to sort of help the economies along and nurture them out of the, you know, the, the, the blows of the pandemic. Obviously, inflation has changed those plans uh, dramatically, stickier than expected inflation. Uh, and some worries that inflation expectations, you know, those that key transmission into kind of longer term, more problematic uh, inflation, that they're slipping the knot a little bit. Uh, and that's got central bankers rightly very worried. And that's made, uh, you know, investing made it very difficult. Uh, and more broadly, you know, you're just, you know, this is one of the things that we've worried about for some time. And this is why we design uh, our multi-asset class funds and portfolios as we do. That's why we spend so so much time uh, and energy thinking about and implementing you know, diversification and robustness. JP and the guys and Ian and the guys, you know, it's really just about making sure that you're ready, not just for the future that extends in a straight line from the recent past, but where you get kind of shocks to that path uh, one way or the other. And we are at a moment where potentially we're looking at quite a different macroeconomic outlook versus the one our pre-2019 macroeconomic tram lines. Uh, we seem to be off those at the moment. We may return to them, but for the moment, we're speculating about a different world. Quite. And I guess, I mean, all of that explains the focus on the next recession for investors, you know, right here, right now. Central bankers, of course, deliberately trying to slow the economy in the fight against inflation, but with, you know, seemingly relatively blunt tools, actually, and, and precious little 
by way of visibility of what might come next. The risk is surely, though, as many are worried about, that they might choke off economies you know, so much that, that we move into contraction mode. Yeah, I mean, we've made that kind of messy, probably quite poor analogy a number of times about the sort of, you know, you imagine that you're driving a car and, you know, in a way, the central bankers, just like us driving a car sensibly uh, and sustainably, you're trying to get the car to travel at its, you know, its optimal speed of travel, where the engine is kind of operating perfectly and not overstraining it or understraining it. Understraining it is obviously recession and overstraining it is kind of, you know, broadly speaking, inflation. The problem to stretch this somewhat poor analogy uh, a bit further is that central bankers, unlike driving a car where you probably know what the optimal speed of travel is, for central bankers, that speed is always changing and uh, it's not visible anyway. It's not observable. So uh, these, like you say, it's very complicated. These are very blunt tools and there is a risk of recession. Now, from our perspective, I have to admit, you know, this is not something we think longer term investors should be getting too vexed by, to be honest. The word recession is not that useful here. We've said before, you know, recession is a bit like dog cake pandemic. I mean, not that there are good pandemics and bad pandemics, but maybe a better example is a, a dog or cake. There are bad dogs. I have some experience of them and bad cakes. Some experience of that last weekend. But, you know, there is a huge, it, it, those words conceal a huge range of experience, don't they? And the same is true of recessions, let's say, I finally get to the point. Uh, and here, our expectation is that if you assume that most recessions have a kind of a purgatory role you know they sort of uh, cleanse the economy of imbalances that's you know one of the roles of recessions in the past those imbalances look to be still substantially absent the private us private sector global private sector looks in reasonably good health balance sheet strength so on and so on so the need for a sort of you know a big kind of Aegean clear out doesn't seem to be there. So to that extent, you know, we don't think this is one that's sort of, you know, really worth being either in or out of investments if there ever was such a thing. In reality, you know, the thing that we ask our already invested clients to do is to trust that uh, the teams that we have internally are sort of, you know, trying to tweak uh, exposures in order to make the most of whatever's, whatever's incoming. You're seeing that, you know, the asset allocation from the TAA team, uh, short-term focus, those guys are just literally incentivized by just that piece, trying to add extra tens of basis points of performance. And that's really kind of what you want to do. I mean, the other thing just to bear in mind is that these things can throw up little opportunities here and there. Uh, mispricings, emotion can get in the better in the way of efficient pricing. Uh, and that's kind of those kind of things, the things we're looking for at the moment. But be careful. It's a good time to sort of tune out those commentators who are talking too knowledgeably or too authoritatively about what's coming next. So it's a nice time to purge bad commentary as well. And just, uh, yeah, I think that the main message from us is, as usual, stay invested and keep your eye line fixed on that medium to long-term potential for productivity rather than uh, kind of rubbernecking the potential accidents in the road ahead, I guess. And so I suppose, I mean, the obvious question is to what extent, if if all recessions aren't made equal, to what extent should we be trying to ignore the textbooks, if you like, to ignore the explanations of economic cycles and recessions and, and the likely market responses you know, based on previous average sort of cycles that we may have seen? And all of that is caught up in a lot of the, the rhetoric that we see from, as you say, from commentators at the moment. Yes. I mean, so in a way, we want to be very careful, like you say here. I mean, you know, we, we want this to be a science, don't we always? And I think the industry tries to make it into a science by looking at, you know, 
the average experience of past recessions, like you say, and we sort of, you know, come up with a kind of stylized idea about what happens, what leads what, and, you know, mm-hmm. what assets to buy at a particular point in time. Now's the time to buy credit when this indicator is here and stocks are there. Be careful, is all we would say. There simply aren't enough recessions, major recessions in the post-war period, for there to be much statistical significance much to get your teeth into in terms of credible plausible supportable kind of stuff to, to, to say about recessions in many ways um, that doesn't mean you, you ignore it altogether I mean I, I think our team internally you know that will be part of the decision making in terms of how to orient yourself whereabouts are we you know what do the stylized analyses say but remember you know this is uh, I think this is an area where the industry where nuance can be lost so whereas, you know, the guys internally are full-time focused on tactical asset allocation, very aware of the shortcomings of the data set, all that kind of thing. When you see these analyses published more widely, that nuance gets lost. You know, what you have to see in the industry, as you know, is that conviction sells. You know, you don't want kind of wishy-washy. Uh, the marketing guys don't want, the marketing people don't want wishy-washy. It may come, it may not kind of thing. They want, this is going to be this case. This is what you need to buy then. Because uh, that's what cuts through, you know, what provides cut through, that dreadful expression. But in a way, beware of that. <laughs> you know, the needs of marketing and the needs of investors aren't always the same. Uh, in fact, quite often they are at loggerheads. And from our perspective, again, the key to, to key thing to remember is just don't get, don't allow your, we've you and I, you know, we're doing these videos for, you know, through some thick and thin, haven't we? And each time it seems like it's very, you know, we're telling each other this really is don't let your visibility go too short. Don't look too uh, too close to yourself. Keep that eye line up above. That's what medium to long investors really need to stay focused on. Your long-term investment goals, you know, that kind of thing. Don't make any rash judgments based on uh, based on sort of you know shouty headlines or over strong convictions from some of our competitors. Maybe so, with all of that conviction that might or might not be out there, where does that leave the investment team? Where does that leave you and the colleagues uh, that, that focus on this day and day out? The tactical team, as you've referenced today, tempted by market levels? Yes, yes, yes. It's very interesting. I mean, I, you know, I hate to say, uh, yeah. In this job, it's, you know, it's been one of the most, you know, in amongst all of the horror and tragedy and everything. I mean, from, an, from a professional perspective, the challenges of the last couple of years have, have been, you know, challenging, let's say, and very, very interesting in some ways. Uh, that's not, please, you know, that should not be taken as any way to undercook or understate anything that anyone's gone through during this awful period. But, you know, as you know, our job is, you know, the team I lucky enough to represent their job is to their jobs uh multiple teams are to make the most of our client savings you know to make sure that they're maximizing the opportunity for you know returns all weather returns for our many treasured clients and so uh, from that perspective it's, it's been it's been a good period in many ways because the team and their philosophy and their hard work have been rewarded by very impressive performance and I think at the moment, what you look at is there's a number of very interesting things. I mean, if you look at some people are looking at duration, as in sort of, you know, bets on some parts of the fixed income complex, which look quite interesting, given how far that space has moved after the worst half, you know, as you know, on, uh, on record. Uh, and even stocks, you know, we do think that stocks are, you know, risky assets are still in for a sort of, you know, quite a tough summer because that trade-off between inflation inflation expectations and growth is quite a tough one for stocks to absorb while central banks are going so hard at inflation. 
But at some point, you know, we are looking at maybe sort of building some exposures back up. And we come at it from a very nice position in a way because TAA performance is positive so far this year. So we haven't been blown out of uh, the water by all of the sort of, you know, extraordinary moves. And overall portfolio performance has, you know, has been really pleasing as well. So we come at it from a position of strength and being able to, rather than being forced to make trades that we don't necessarily want to, uh, we are in a position where we can evaluate lots of very interesting alternatives. And, uh, and, 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 and I don't think at the moment, I may be wrong, there's not a huge rush at the moment, given the sort of the way the economic data is going, the, the economy is continuing to swoon, as you'd expect, under the pressure of huge jumps in interest rates, tightening in financial conditions, in the US, a gigantic fiscal drag, you know, so we've got a very, very challenging sort of, you know, uh, immediate context. But as you get into sort of next year, that may ease up a bit. And I think, you know, as you know, markets are a sort of anticipatory asset. So at some stage, it's going to be a good moment to potentially add to risk. But that's not quite where we're at just yet. But we're still evaluating lots of very interesting opportunities. Thanks, Will. So a little bit of patience over the summer and hoping for a second half that is a little bit better than the first. Uh, thank you also to our listeners for joining us uh, today and our viewers. Uh, if you would like to hear more from us before the next Monthly Market Insights, please do seek us out at our weekly podcast, Word on the Street, where we share all of our latest views on developments. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation. All tax rules can change in the future and their effects depend on your individual circumstances, which can also change. We do not offer personal tax advice. You should obtain this independently if you're unsure. Investments can fall as well as rise in value, and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance.